What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Oh my goodness gracious, this is my last podcast recorded whilst I am in Bali. I literally leave on Thursday to go back to Perth, Western Australia for the Christmas holidays. And I literally have no idea how long I'm going to be there for. Maybe I'm there for two days and I'm like, get me out of here. I am actually genuinely really looking forward to seeing so many people, seeing my family, seeing my cousin just had a baby. I can't wait to see my new little nephew. I can't wait to be playing with my sister and Kobe on the beach and playing catch with my nephew, who's my actual dog nephew. <laughs> I can't, I just, there's so much that I'm looking forward to coming back to Perth and also Until I land there and get to experience myself there, I actually don't know what God has in store for me. You know that I'm committed in 2024 to my word being love. I really feel like my aligned partnership is coming in 2024. I I feel that deeply and I'm just really unsure how and where and what it's meant to look like. But what I know is the feeling that I am connected to and deeply rooted and anchored in is love and the full expression of my wild woman And God can continuously nudge me in the direction that I'm meant to go so that I continue to walk my aligned and alive path. But today is not at all about that. Today is about how to hold courageous and challenging conversations. And the reason that I'm bringing this conversation to you is because in some of my groups recently, some of the clients reflected to me that hard conversations are easy for me, which I found a really interesting reflection. And I'm just going to let you all know right now that hard conversations are not easy for me. I'm just more practiced in them. I also know the destruction that occurs when I don't do the hard thing. And I'm also very equipped with tools and resources to support me to navigate challenging conversations with more ease. But it does not make them easeful. So in today's episode, I share three of the most challenging conversations that I have had in 2023. You absolutely want to stay all the way to the very end because at the end of today's conversation, I share with you a tool and a resource that I give to all of my clients to support them to handle challenging, hard and courageous conversations with more ease. Literally from my logical masculine mind, this tool is a game changer for absolutely fucking everybody and any challenging conversation that comes your way, this tool will support you to handle that with more strength, with more power and with more groundedness, also with more direction because you know where the fuck you're taking the conversation based on this four-step process. If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me so that I can connect with you and so that I can share it as well. This is your second last Raw, Real and Vulnerable episode for 2023. I cannot fucking believe it. Strap yourself in. This is one hell of an episode. Let's fucking go. Hands up if you love a good, confrontational, challenging conversation. Yeah, I'm literally pausing and not saying anything intentionally because I am waiting for someone to raise their hand. I honestly do not think there are any, if many, people that like challenging, hard, confrontational conversations. 
And the reason that I bring this up is in some of my groups this past few weeks, there has been a huge conversation around needing to bring something super vulnerable to someone and address something that has brought up a lot of trigger and discomfort in our body when we've been on the receiving end of something from a friend or a work colleague. And some of the reflection that I have received in my groups is, well, Beck, this isn't hard for you. Like, I know that you're very, very, very good at it. And I found that reflection really interesting. I'm really great as a coach to hold you in everything that you bring to me. And I'm going to let you know why. I am super unattached to your journey. I'm not emotionally involved. I'm here to hold the space. I can be super logical. I'm trained in everything that we are navigating together. And my heart isn't on the fucking line because it's your heart that's on the line, not mine. But in my own life, challenging, edgy conversations are still challenging and edgy. And I don't actually like them. I like nice conversations. I like empowering conversations. I like uplifting conversations. I like conversations about sex and I love it when things are going my way. And like my personality just loves, I love it when things are going my way. I love compliments. I love getting exactly what I want all the time. Like I'm a fucking human. (laughs) And I just know that that is not reality. I know that things in life are going to occur where my triggers get rubbed up on, where things happen, where a friend that I love and care for says or does something that doesn't actually align with me, where something occurs, where my feelings have been hurt, whether it's intentional or not, where something arises within me, where I act outside of my boundary or someone crosses mine and I have to speak up and say something. Now, the speaking up and saying something, even for me, I don't want to mislead anyone here or elude you into thinking that I'm so much more evolved than anyone listening right now. I just know so fiercely and I have seen so much the destruction that occurs when I and when you avoid doing the hard thing. I truly, truly, truly believe that doing the hard thing is actually the easy thing and the avoidance of doing the hard thing only creates more hardship in our lives. I say this all the time. I've just met new edges of myself. So things that used to be hard are no longer. I know everyone knows that I talk about the herpes virus online. That to me is super easy. Why? Because it's practiced. Why? Because I'm embodied in it. Years ago, like people say, it's so vulnerable. You're so brave. I'm just going to say this loud and clear so that everyone knows. Me talking about the herpes virus is not brave and is not vulnerable for me anymore. Me telling you that I have herpes is like me telling you I have 10 fingers and 10 toes. It literally means nothing to me. But there are so many edgy things that still happen in my life that creates discomfort in my internal world. And when I can feel the discomfort rise, There's also this piece of like, oh my God, now I have to do this hard, challenging thing and I have to say something. And part of my attachment style is actually avoidant. There's a part of me that tries to be like, I don't have to say anything. I can talk myself out of doing this. This isn't a big deal. I'll just pretend it didn't happen. Don't do the hard thing because I don't actually like it. I don't like it. I like all the, all the, I'm doing air quotes again. I like all the good, all the nice, all the this, all the that, all the sex, all the pleasure, all the desire. I don't like the conflict and I don't like the challenge and I don't like telling someone, hey, I have to share something that's really challenging for me to communicate to you. I don't fucking like it, but I know that I have to do it. There's no avoiding the human experience. And I know that anything that I avoid 
will only further perpetuate more of the same experience reoccurring until I actually step up and meet whatever it is I am avoiding. And I say this to my clients, when it comes to using our voice powerfully and having courageous conversations, you're not ever going to become confident in a courageous conversation until you've acted with courage first. You'll be fearful, but you'll act with courage. And in the repeated act of doing the courageous thing, confidence is built and born like the herpes virus. I was fearful, but then I was courageous. Then I was repeatedly courageous. The more that I was courageous, the more the fear dissipated, the more that I lent into that, then the confidence occurred. It wasn't like, oh my God, spoke about herpes courageously once. Hello, embodiment. No fucking way. That took years, years and years and years and years and years. So you get to be so committed to living a life in alignment with your own courage, in alignment with your own standards, in alignment with your own values and giving yourself permission to use your voice in the hardest of times. Because if you don't, and this is the analogy that I use for avoiding hard conversations. I'm, I'm probably going to ruin this analogy, but I say it all the time, so let's do it. You are essentially a living room. You've got your living room there and it's beautiful and you've decided to buy the most exquisite rug. It's like this $20,000 rug that you've put in the living room and something happens and someone drops a piece of rubbish. And instead of cleaning the rubbish up and putting the rubbish in the bin, which would be the clearing conversation or the courageous conversation or the honest reflection or the request that you're about to make, instead of doing that because you're so terrified of doing and saying the thing or you're terrified of the person's response once you do and say the thing, you instead get the rubbish and you sweep it under the rug and the rug's there. But it's only a little bit of rubbish to begin with, so maybe you can put a bit of dust and a bit of dirt under the rug and not really notice. And then you go about your life. But the next week, something else happens. And because you're not practiced in acting from courage and the muscle that you're flexing is avoidant, you're like, oh, I could say, hey, Beck, it's important that you know that actually this thing that you said really hurt my feelings. Because you're afraid to say that to me, you then avoid saying and reflecting the courageous thing and instead sweep the dirt under the rug. Now we've got last week's dirt under the rug and this week's dirt under the rug. And now you're even more practiced in flexing the muscle of avoidance. You're even more practiced in flexing the muscle of self-abandonment. Every time you're like, oh, Bex hurt my feelings, but I don't have the courage to tell her truthfully, and you avoid it, what your subconscious mind is saying is like, oh, look, there Sally goes, avoiding telling Beck that she's hurt your feelings because you don't believe that you're worthy to speak up because you fear rejection because you're worried that Beck won't want to be your friend anymore if you really speak your truth to her. And there you go. Yep. Don't worry. Your feelings don't matter. That's essentially what you're saying to yourself. Every time you're like, fuck, I need to say something honest to someone that I care for or someone that you don't care for. I just need to say this honest thing. This is what's occurred within me. Every time you don't, you're flexing the muscle of self-abandonment and you're sweeping more shit under your gorgeous rug. Now, after years and years and years and years of this beautiful rug being in your beautiful living room and every single week you've swept a little bit of dirt underneath, all of a sudden everyone, 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 not just you, but everyone else can see that that's a beautiful rug with like a big pile of shit underneath. Like what the fuck? Why haven't you cleaned that up? And what that might look like in a woman is a beautiful woman who is resentful, who is angry, who is reserved, who is armoured, who is guarded, who doesn't let people in, who doesn't say sorry, who doesn't allow people to be apologetic to her, who avoids courageous conversation, who creates a lot of conflict in her life. You're just this beautiful woman 
full of resentment because instead of flexing the muscle of courage, you flex the muscle of avoidance, but the only person, well, it hurts more people than just you, but the main person your avoidance hurts is yourself because every time you don't speak up and you don't advocate for yourself, your subconscious mind is like, there she fucking goes again because she doesn't love herself. She doesn't believe herself. She doesn't believe in herself. She doesn't believe that she's worthy to use her voice. So it's so important so important, so important that you understand that every time you hear your internal voice speak and there's something courageous that you get to say to someone, it's so important that we do the work to get yourself to a place where you can actually start to communicate authentically and vulnerably so that A, you start to choose yourself and B, other people around you can actually start to connect with you truly and intimately. Your mask, no one's fucking buying it. And your mask, you're like, oh no, no I'm fine, everything's okay and, and you didn't hurt my feelings. No one is fucking buying that either but for as long as you live from your mask, you're only ever going to attract people that are going to meet you in your mask and if you are not currently living a life surrounded by the kind of connections that you deeply yearn and ache for, it's probably because you're not showing the world your truest, most authentic self. Literally, I caught up with two male friends three weeks ago and I spent all Saturday, I spent four hours with one and four hours with the other, Jan and Alex. I think I cried for two hours of both of those interactions. I cried. I was so upset. I was so upset about something that was going on in my own internal world around my breakup and I thought, do you know what I need? I need to be surrounded by men that I love and trust and that can hold me in this. And when they said, Beck, how are you? I literally cried to them. And afterwards, they both messaged me and said something along the lines of, I really want to acknowledge you for how you showed up to me today. You were so soft and so open and so beautiful and so vulnerable. And it was such a pleasure to be able to receive you in this way. So guess what? My intimate relationships, my intimate friendships with them strengthen because I'm not bringing them a mask of Rebecca. I'm not saying, oh, things are all good when things are not all good. I'm bringing them the truth. Now, for you... I want to remind you that this has come with practice. Being vulnerable with people has come with practice and avoiding hard conversations creates so much disturbance for you and for everyone else around you and no one can authentically connect with you. It is going to be the end of a relationship, the end of a friendship, the end of anything, the end of any connection if you cannot be your truest self with that other person. And this year, this is something that I reflected to my clients when they're like, Challenging conversations are just easy for you, Beck. You're so confident. You're so strong. You're so assertive. You're so direct. Yes, I'm confident and I'm strong and I'm assertive and I'm direct on my podcast. This is invulnerable right now. I'm assertive and I'm confident and I'm strong when I'm coaching. It's your life when I'm coaching you. But in my own life, when a trigger rises, when something occurs that hurts my feelings or feels like it's a cross of my boundaries and I have to give a voice to it, I find it very, very easy with strangers because I'm not emotionally attached to that person. But with a friend, with someone that I work with, with someone that I love, with a coach, with a mentor, with a man, once I start to have feelings for him, that makes the hard conversation harder because my heart is on the line. So I'm going to share some examples of things that have occurred in my life recently and this year around really challenging conversations that I've had to have. So Recently, I was in my gym and I know I made a commitment not to date anyone in the boxing area of my gym. And then I was thinking, that's actually a bit silly. Like I was thinking of the concept, don't shit where you eat. And because I go there every day, I thought to myself, is it really going to be good if I start dating someone in the gym? 
And then what he's in the gym and I'm in the gym and it's my favorite place. And what if it doesn't work out? And then I also thought to myself, well, I'm literally removing so many people from the potential of the opportunity to date me and me to date them that are like-minded by me ruling out my gym. So I thought, you know what, fuck it. Let's take the rules off the table and just say, if you meet someone really aligned, you meet someone really aligned and make sure that when you're exploring dating with them, you're both conscious and intentional enough that if the dating doesn't actually go anywhere, that the two of you can both keep going to your favorite place without it disturbing or disrupting your peace. I mean, you're an adult, you're 35, you're attracting in a grounded, secure man, the both of you should still both be able to go to the gym and it not be a problem. So I thought, yeah, okay. I also, I love the concept when it comes to dating around the handkerchief analogy. I really believe that the man is meant to chase the woman. And I believe that through our beautiful, feminine, sensual, sexy essence, and I learned this from Preston Smiles, we can basically drop our handkerchief, almost symbolic to say, I'm interested in you, and create an opening where that man could, if he desires, to chase you. And so I'm in my gym class one day, and this new man shows up in class, and he's tall. He's like six foot three, six foot four. He's got beautiful blue eyes, light skin, but dark features, tall and buff, like in shape. And I just thought to myself, whoa, he's like super good looking, but he's also not splashy with his energy. I know that you know this, the women that are listening know this, you know, the kind of man, like if you went somewhere and there was five women around, but he found all five attractive and he kind of splashes and throws his energy at each one, seeing which one will stick. I find that the biggest turnoff ever. If I see a man and he has splashy energy of like, I just want to get attention from whatever woman will give it back to me and it's not intentional, that to me is the biggest turnoff. But when I see a man who's really good looking and like really strong and feels like really grounded in his appearance and how he holds himself, and you could tell he could get a lot of attention from women, but he's not unintentional or splashy with his energy, I find that really attractive. I witnessed him in class and I was like, he's not in here flirting with, because in my gym, like every woman is super fucking hot. I'm like, oh my God, every woman in here is just like gorgeous. And he's not leaky with his energy. So I thought to myself, I'll smile and I'll say hello. And I'll just be like, you're new here, right? That is essentially symbolic of me dropping the handkerchief. That's me almost leaning in and giving the lion an opportunity to hunt if he chooses to. So he's standing next to me in class. I turn, I say something to him, and then he starts talking to me. And a few classes later, he comes over and sits next to me and he goes, what are you doing, Rebecca, at the end of class? And I had work in about 45 minutes. And so I said, I have work in 45 minutes. He goes, oh, well, I was going to invite you to go for a sauna and an ice bath and I could take you for brunch afterwards. And I love that. I love a man that leans in. I love a man that approaches me face to face. We swap WhatsApps instead of Instagrams. I love being asked my number and not my Instagram. I was like, yes, I'm a yes to all of this. Anyway, I had work. So I said, no, I actually can't today, but I would definitely be open to another day. And so we swapped numbers and we organized a day on a Sunday. Anyway, we go to the gym, we do our workout, we have the spa, we have the ice bath, we go for brunch. And then he ends up back at mine and we go for a swim at my villa. Anyway, we're just talking. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's really great at conversation. Very dynamic conversation. Remember what I shared about the retired by 30 hot guy that had herpes, but didn't get it from the first girl, but got it from the next girl. But all he talked about for it was himself and like how much of a turnoff it is when a man only talks about himself. Went on a date with this guy. He's so great at dynamic reciprocal conversation. He's really intelligent. And I just like, I found him a cool person to share and spend time with. 
anyway, I did that. I told him about the whole herpes thing, everything. And remember, that's not the hard part of the conversation because I'm so embodied in it. Anyway, we start talking about ayahuasca and mushrooms and he turns around to me and he goes, should we do mushrooms together over the next three weeks? Because he was going to be in Bali for the next three weeks. And I thought to myself, yeah, like I haven't done mushrooms in Bali in years. I haven't done mushrooms myself since Perth, since the last time that I took that six grams accidentally. And I said to him, yeah, sure. And then he turned around and he was like, I would love to book us a tree house in Ubud, like a, a beautiful tree house with an incredible view and like a bath overlooking the jungle. And we'll do it together there. Like we really need an incredible environment. I remember how I said, there's a part of me that knows after dating, you get to be super intentional about the things that you do and say, because if you've just gone through a breakup, there'll be a part of your reactiveness. It's like, yeah, because my ex didn't do this for me. And so when he's like got out his Airbnb and he's looking at all these beautiful tree houses, there's a part of me that was like, Jake didn't do this for me. And so there's a part of me that's like, yeah, let's book a tree house. Cause he's like ready to book it there. And then like, so like the man leads, the man initiates, the man pays, the man this, the man that. He was like very much about like the strong, healthy masculine. So I was like, yeah, I get to be in my receivership. I get to this. I get to that. Oh, I'm obviously not saying it aloud. This was Sunday. I'd only gone on one date with this guy that I was on in that moment. And remember, I'm meant to be practicing the pause, which is not making a committed decision in the moment and like waiting 24 hours to make sure that it felt really aligned. I was like, oh, I don't know about Thursday because obviously my work week's already planned out. I don't cancel or reschedule work. And then that would be Friday as well. It's probably going to be disruptive for my week. What about like the following week or the one after? And then he looked and there was a particular treehouse that he really wanted and it was only available this Thursday, Friday. And so I got out my phone and I checked my work schedule and I only had work arrangements that were for me personally. I didn't have client calls. I didn't have podcasts where I needed to reschedule anyone else. It was essentially my own time. And so I was like, oh, well, and this is where I self-abandoned. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess we could. And he booked it. As soon as he booked it, I literally felt the energy in my body shift of like, oh, that was the wrong decision. That doesn't feel good for me. And I could feel as we were on the date and I actually didn't say anything about it. Remember, I'm practiced in the herpes conversation, so that wasn't vulnerable for me. But now that I've said yes, when I really meant no, and he's booked it, I could feel this like, oh God, I went against my internal compass of knowing and I've said yes, but really this Thursday is not good for me. And it doesn't matter that I'm not rescheduling anyone else. I don't even reschedule myself. This feels too soon. I don't even know. if. And then I was like, we've only kissed. Do I even want to spend a night in a treehouse with this guy? And he's talking about us being in the bathtub. Maybe I'm, I don't even know if I'm attracted to you intimately, like you're good looking, but I don't know if I actually want to share my body with you. And all these thoughts start pouring through my mind. And I was like, oh my God. Anyway, he leaves, the date's over. I call my girlfriends. I'm like, I've just said yes to this date. And I felt bad because he booked and paid for it as well. And my girlfriends were like, well, what would you do what would you tell any, this is all my girlfriends, what would you tell your clients to do? I'm like, shut the fuck up, stop using my own coaching against me. They're like, but seriously, Beck, what would you tell your own clients? And I was like, well, obviously I would support them to get to a place where they felt safe within their body to be able to communicate their truth to this person. Because do you know what I went to do? I went to create all of these fancy stories about how I could get out of going on this fucking treehouse adventure with him that weren't true. I was like, I'm going to tell him 
that I'm seeing someone else. I'm going to tell him that Mr. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I might pursue a relationship and he's coming back and I don't want to cross over because I haven't slept with anyone else since him. I'm going to tell him that my ex-boyfriend's got back in contact with me, which he hadn't. I was just coming up with all, I was like, what? Lie. Can I make up (laughs) that I can tell him that will make me look really good for cancelling without making him feel bad? I didn't want to be flaky. All this stuff was coming up within me. I was like, how can I make up a lie so that I didn't have to communicate the truth? And the truth was, actually, I probably needed to pause when you asked me. What was really true for me is when I said that Thursday was too soon, it actually was too soon. What was also really true for me is like, I don't actually reschedule my work, even if I don't have client calls booked in. What's really true for me is that it doesn't feel good for me anymore and it's taken away the excitement. And what's true for me is that We haven't spent enough time together yet for me to actually feel safe and comfortable to want to go on a jungle overnight stay adventure with you. And so that was what was true. And so I was telling my clients, that was hard. When I had to contact him and be like, this doesn't actually feel good for me, that felt edgy and I felt bad and I felt like I was rejecting and hurting someone. I was like, have I misled him? Should I have said no? And he replied back saying, you, Rebecca, get to make yourself a priority. I am really committed to making myself a priority. And if you and your work are the priority, that's okay by me. And then we had a really nice date with him and his friends the following Sunday, and it was really great. And so that, to me, just reinforced the hard thing is always the easiest thing because there was even a part of me that was like, fuck, I'm just going to go to this fucking treehouse and just go with him because I feel too bad to tell him the truth. And I was like, Rebecca Antonucci, you speak about fucking herpes on the internet. You can tell this dude that you're not going to go on the date with him. He's going to be totally okay. He's successful enough to be able to pay for his own overnight stay in his treehouse. He could take someone else. He could take himself. He already had it saved in his Airbnb, so he wanted to go anyway. You get to do what's really true for you, and you don't get to self-abandon. And again, this was an incredible reflection of what occurs. I was like, the fucking aftermath of not practicing the pause is so much that it just constantly reaffirms to me and for me that taking a moment to really be like, hold on, I know, and this is why nervous system work is so important. Some of my clients resonate with being like really fast-paced movers. And because we go so fast in life, sometimes we make decisions that we think are aligned until we stop later and are like, oh my God, that actually wasn't my truest truth. And now I've had time to be with the request that was asked of me. My answer was actually no, even though maybe it felt like a yes in the moment. So doing deep intentional nervous system work is so powerful, especially for us that go so fast. Otherwise, We make fast decisions and it's not until later on that we realize that those fast decisions didn't actually serve us. I also want to share one more really courageous conversation that I had this year that for me was so much harder than a herpes disclosure, like almost as hard as a herpes disclosure back when herpes was a real thing for me. I shared this with two of my groups this past week as well. I made a commitment after my breakup with Jake that I am not willing to pay for a man. I really needed to work on the part of me that is an overgiver and overgives and then creates resentment and feels like I've been taken from. And so I made a fierce commitment to myself that I will only give when I am giving from pure generosity and a cup that's overflowing, but I will never give 
from obligation. I will never give because I earn more money than someone else. I will never give when it's not coming from desire. And I also made a commitment that I am allowing men to lead me, allowing men to provide for me and allowing myself to soften and open and be in my receivership. So when I was in America in October, something happened that created such a massive catalyst for huge, vulnerable, courageous conversation, bigger than what I actually ever thought was possible. And it was one of the bravest things that I have done in 2023. So obviously I made the commitment, I'm not paying for men. And I'm in this function room and we're support coaching a hundred students. And one of the male support coaches that was there with me yelled out to me as I was running down to the cafe. He yells out and he says, Hey Beck, are you going down to the cafe? I was like, yeah, I am. He goes, can you please grab me a bottle of water and I will pay you back. And so I was like, yeah, of course. Run downstairs to the cafe because the cafe, the line was long, takes ages, all the things. We're busy in this workshop, need to get shit done fast. We don't have time to really be like in and out and hanging at the cafe. So no problem. Get me a bottle of water. I'll pay you back. I come back upstairs with this bottle of water. I hand it to the male support coach and he doesn't hand me the six US dollars, which is like nine Aussie. I know an expensive bottle of water, right? But I hand him the bottle of water. He doesn't hand me the six USD. And in that moment, I literally felt this energy of like, oh, I made a commitment this year that I would never buy or pay for something when it's not coming from generosity. And even though I didn't consciously think of it at the time, I literally agreed to getting this water for this man because he said, can you get me the water and I will give you the money. Like literally all year I've been practicing. One of my other male friends was like, can you grab me a chocolate bar? And I was like, no. I was across the street and I was going into a deli to get an ice cream. He was like, hey, Beck, get me a chocolate bar. And I could just feel this like, no, I don't want to. And there was a part of me that said to myself, it's only like, it's $2, get him the fucking chocolate bar. But the other part of me was like, no, Beck, it's only $2, just do it, is a part of what builds such intense resentment within you. When you hear the no and you override it because it's only a $2 chocolate bar, that creates internal resentment, which is further perpetuating the wound of feeling like you're being taken from or taken advantage of. So when you hear the no, even if it feels small and meaningless, like a $2 chocolate bar or like a $6 bottle of water, I have to stay committed to I'm only giving and I'm only providing from generosity and an overflowing cup, never from obligation and never from, oh, it's only fill in the blank. So I come upstairs, I hand him the bottle of water, he doesn't give me the $6 and I feel this rush of energy overcome my body and I was like, oh my God, I didn't actually want to buy him this bottle of water unless he was giving me the money back. And it created such an intense trigger because it brought up everything that occurred in my relationship. And every single time I didn't use my voice and all the ways I didn't bring that vulnerable conversation to my ex-partner around money, around me over-providing, around how it created this sensation within me of being taken from, around me avoiding the hard conversation around how important it is for me to feel provided for by a male partner. Even if I can provide for myself, I can more than provide for myself and many, 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 many others. And yet it is a deep internal aching, yearning and desire and almost need for me. It's a need for me to feel really provided for by my partner. And when I am the breadwinner, when I am the overgiver, if we are not working towards a vision where we are creating a vision that provides for us, if there's no vision and you're not providing, I feel so in that relationship dynamic, incredibly, incredibly unsafe. And so this bottle of water exchange 
all of a sudden brought up all these triggers around my past relationship. It brought up all the times I felt like I self-abandoned and didn't speak up. It brought up all the times when I paid and overrode a no that existed within me. It was so insanely triggering to the point that I was bawling, crying. And I was sitting there and I was like, fuck, I actually have to turn around to this person and tell him that this massive trigger has occurred within me and I also have to ask him for my $6 back. I felt so embarrassed, so humiliated and so ashamed. Like I went into so much judgment of self where I was like, it's only $6. You don't even need the $6. Just pay for the fucking thing. Avoid the conversation. And I was sitting there pep talking myself like, Rebecca, this isn't about the $6. It is about what the bottle of water and the $6 exchange reflects. It's not about the bottle of water and it's not about the $6. It's about what it's triggering underneath. You know how I say when it comes to herpes, it's not about the herpes virus. It's about what's triggering underneath. I was sitting there, I was like, come on, Rebecca, you know, you're a coach. You know what this is actually representing right now and you know why this is triggering you so deeply. And so I was sitting there, I told Tracy and she was like, well, you know what you get to do. I told one other woman and I wouldn't tell anyone else. And I was sitting there and I was like, fuck, I can't believe that I actually have to have this conversation with this man. And I also have to ask for my $6 back. It felt so insanely challenging. And so I sat there, I thought of all the ways that I could talk myself out of doing it and all the ways why I just needed to let it go and pretend like it hadn't happened. And then I was like, come on, Rebecca, this feels as triggering to your nervous system as the herpes disclosure conversation would have felt six years ago. I was like, fuck, <laughs> come on, you bad bitch. Like you talk about herpes on the internet. You can turn around to this person who is your friend and have this vulnerable conversation. So I'm sharing the challenge of this so you can actually hear that challenging shit happens for me as well. And as triggers arise, that my avoidance kicks in and I try and think of a million reasons why I don't get to do the hard thing, but I also get to stay so committed to the belief that doing the hard thing is actually the easy thing. And I really desire to heal this piece of me that didn't speak up in my past relationship because I know that it didn't serve me and it didn't serve him. It didn't serve me. It didn't serve Jake. Me avoiding saying what was truly real for me and true for me and vulnerable for me, didn't serve me, didn't serve him. I tried not to shame him by not bringing up the money conversation, but in turn, eventually all that resentment built underneath and I projected it. I got so angry that it came out as like a lash out in the end. So I projected shame on him anyway, because it wasn't coming from a vulnerable place of like, hey, I don't even know how to hold this conversation with you. I'm fearful of shaming you. I don't want to make you bad or wrong. I'm experiencing judgment of self, obviously, because my business is doing differently to yours. So I have this like almost expectation of self that this shouldn't be an issue for me, but it is. And I need to communicate it to you. I didn't do that. And I didn't know how. I put up a post recently about this, that avoiding having a hard conversation because you fear shaming someone is only going to create more shame on the other side. All the shit under the rug is eventually going to come out in your lash out. Anything not said is going to come out in another way and typically a very unhealthy way that is destructive for you, the other person, and your relationship at large. And so as God would have it, I, because, you know, my God, the energy outside of me that reminds me of the power that exists within me, always is pushing back on her journey for her highest good and her greatest expansion so that I can be the most grounded, expressed, raw, real, vulnerable, authentic Rebecca.
And so I go to the bathroom and as I go to the bathroom, me and the other coach bump into each other and it's just the two of us in this corridor. And I was like, fuck, I've been set up here. God has set me up. And so I pulled him aside and I said, hey, do you have a minute? He was like, yeah, of course. And I said, I have something that I need to share with you. And I just want to say, this is really hard for me. Like I can already feel energy in my chest right now as I repeat this story to you. I said to him, this is really actually hard for me. And I want to let you know, I know this is my stuff. Like this isn't about you, but are you in a place where you can hold this conversation? And he looked me in the eye and he said, yeah, of course. I think he was doing something. He said, give me 30 seconds. And then he was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, tell me. And I shared with him, you know, the bottle of water that I bought for you. And he said, yeah. I said, I, this feels so challenging for me. But in my last relationship, I actually paid for a lot of things and it didn't feel good for me. And I've really made a commitment not to pay for men unless I'm doing it from desire and generosity. And I agreed to purchase you that bottle of water because literally the request was, will you get me the water? I'll give you the money. And he said, thank you for sharing. And he said, is this really triggering for you because I haven't given you the money back? And I was like, yeah, it is. And he just held it so beautifully, acknowledged me, held it, hugged me, all the things. And you know what the funniest part of this after was? In his journal, there was a post-it note at the top of it that said payback back for the water that he had sitting there all day. And so this is where I believe that God sets us up for the greatest success ever. He gave me the greatest gift of all, not giving me the $6 immediately so that I could have that vulnerable, challenging conversation with him. I'm telling you, that was so fucking hard for me. So hard. Like literally it felt like a herpes disclosure six years ago and he held it so beautifully and so powerfully. And when I walked back into that room, I was like, I'm a fucking bad bitch. That to me was literally terrifying. That is one of the hardest things that I have done in 2023. And that might sound easy to you. I don't know, potentially. That to me was so fiercely challenging. And it was such a declaration of my commitment to myself and healing from the pain and the trauma and the wounding that occurred in my past relationship so that I do not continue to repeat unhealthy patterns for the next person. And now I want to leave you with something, a tool for you to work with when you are leaning into hard and challenging conversations. It is a tool that I have shared with so many of my clients this past three, four weeks. It's actually a tool that I share with all of my clients because ultimately, who likes a hard, challenging, vulnerable conversation? Fucking no one. If you do, DM me and let me know. But I'm yet to meet someone that's like, yeah, give me the hard ones. Give me the hard ones. But I love to work with this framework. It is compliment, feedback, request, compliment. Now, this is a tool that you can use when it comes to challenging conversation. This is a tool that you can use when it comes to if you were to go use a bottle of water, for an example. This is a tool that you can use when someone has hurt your feelings. If you are finding it really hard to have a courageous conversation with someone, this is my favorite way to do it whether it's with a work colleague, someone you love, an intimate partner or a best friend, family member, whoever it is, compliment, feedback, recommendation slash invitation, request, compliment, otherwise known as a shit sandwich. And so it would sound something like this. Say someone has hurt your feelings and you want to let them know. Maybe they've done something that really disrespects you. In fact, I brought a guy 
to dinner that I had gone on a few dates with and we hadn't slept together yet, but we had like really insane sexual chemistry. And my girlfriend had had a few drinks. Like, you know, when energy between two people is like magnetic, you could see this chemistry that existed between the two of us. And as we were sitting there together and he was like leaning next to me and like, we kind of had some flirtatious energy going on and she was a bit pissed. She'd had a few vodkas and she turned around. She was like, are you guys going to fuck? When are you guys going to have sex? And I was like, a part of me, my insides felt like they were going to die. I was like, are you kidding? I didn't say anything at the dinner because I was like, hopefully she just won't say it again. And then she said it again. And then she maybe said it like what felt like 20 times to the point that I was like, I think actually in the end I said to her, can you please stop that now? I did it in front of everyone because it just was a lot. Anyway, I really felt this energy of like embarrassment and humiliation and just like disrespect. And I knew that it wasn't malicious, but it just didn't feel good for me for that to happen. So after the dinner, I knew that I needed to give her this feedback because it didn't feel good for me. And so it would sound something like this. Hey, we'll call her Sarah. Hey, Sarah, you know that I love our friendship. Compliment. I love going out for our dinners and our wines. I love it when we go out dancing. I just really value the friendship that we have and just see you as someone that's going to be a part of my life forever. Like the vision of my life always involves you. Like sometimes when I'm doing something courageous, I want to let the person know that when I visualize my life, they're in it. Feedback. Actually at dinner, when you made that joke around, we'll call him Steve, the sex and Steve, that actually didn't feel good for me. And I actually felt really embarrassed, humiliated. Like I really felt a bit disrespected. I know that that wasn't actually your intention and you were genuinely coming from play energy, but I really didn't like it. Request and or invitation. My request is in future, can you just promise me that you won't make jokes of that nature with any man that I'm seeing or dating or bring to anything that we do? I I would prefer that you not do that again. Is that possible? Finish with the compliment because, you know, I just, you know that I love you. You know that I love our friendship and I just value you so much. And yeah, I just, it felt really important for me to communicate that with you. Amazing. So that is my tool for you when you are navigating your hard and challenging conversations that feel really edgy for you to lean into. Can you open with the compliment? Can you provide your direct feedback? Can you make a request? Because the feedback quite often can come from protection, but it's true for you. You might in your body feel really challenged and stressed to communicate what's true for you. So it's going to come from maybe a guarded, armored place, but the true vulnerable part is making the request for what you need and or making a request not only for what you need in future, but for what you need from that person to be able to experience healthy repair. Like for example, my friend apologized immediately. She also committed to not doing that again. And the next day she followed up with me again, just letting me know how apologetic she was and that she felt really bad about the jokes that she made. Even after I was so over it, I had moved on from it. I'd given her the feedback. I'd made the request. She apologized, committed to never doing it again. And I'd forgotten about it. And then she went into her own process around hurting and upsetting my feelings. And then for that repair, I just got to offer her reassurance that I was not harboring or holding any resentment and that I did feel fully repaired from the apology and the commitment that she gave me. That is my favorite way, favorite way, favorite way to support any of my clients to lean into hard, 
challenging, courageous conversations. Again, whether it is with your friend, whether it is with your family member, whether it is with your intimate partner, whether it is with a work colleague. I literally worked with this tool with a client this week around a conversation that she had at her boardroom table where a colleague was what she felt incredibly disrespectful and she had all of this trigger show up and she knew that she needed to provide feedback to this certain person within her work environment and she didn't know how to do it without it coming from emotion, without her crying, without it being structured. She was really terrified to bring it to her and so I shared with her this tool and it's really supported her to lean in and create massive expansion for herself and again, On the other side of it's never, ever, ever about the response that the other person has. The purpose of the conversation is A, for you to clear, but B, we're never, ever, ever in control of how the other person reacts and responds, but we are in control of how we choose to choose ourselves in every moment. And I am not a stand for you self-abandoning. And if this tool supports you to fully choose yourself in every courageous moment that presents, then let's fucking go. I hope it was supportive for you. If you loved this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag me so that I can connect with you and so that I can share it as well. I truly hope that this supports you to live courageously and expressively as you are about to step into 2024. I will be back in your ears next week. I hope you have the most beautiful, brilliant day. Let's fucking go. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.